Turn with me, if you would, in the scriptures this evening to two openings, Proverbs 10 and Ecclesiastes 11. We've been on a a series some weeks now on these Friday nights that we're calling How to Harvest. How to Harvest. Look at these two scriptures and we'll review a little bit for those of you that haven't been with us. Proverbs 10 and 4. Proverbs 10, 4 says, He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand unless he makes confessions or sows a lot of offerings. Well, no, that scripture is just as true. As Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Isn't it? He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Diligence. Particularly obedience. To diligently obey what the Lord directs you to do. Is a big part of him being able to prosper you. Now we... Uh, so-called faith people, word of faith people, we believe in uh, sowing and reaping. We believe in prosperity. And thank God we do. But a lot of folks, I think, without maybe meaning to, they think all there is to prospering is giving offerings and making confessions. That if we give offerings, give plenty of offerings, and make plenty of good confessions then the rest of it's up to God. But that's wrong thinking. Read the next verse here. He goes on to say, He that gathers in summer is a wise son, but he that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. Is it possible to sleep through a harvest? Well, if you sleep through harvest, are you going to gather anything in? Look in Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 4. He that observes the wind, what will he do? He shall not sow, he won't sow. He that regards the clouds, what will he do? He shall not reap. Observed has to do with looking at. Regard has to do with considering and esteeming. If you look at the wrong thing, you won't give. And just as true, we know that's true. Just as true, if you consider and regard the wrong thing, you won't reap. Even after you've sown. Now, the scripture, Jesus, Spirit of God through Paul, The prophets' writings, the Psalms, teach us about spiritual sowing and reaping by comparing it over and over again to natural sowing and reaping. Are you familiar with some of the scriptures? I mean Matthew and Galatians and Romans and 1st and 2nd Corinthians. I mean over and over again he compares it just right down the line. That spiritual sowing and reaping is just like Natural, just like sowing wheat or corn or tomatoes. And we all know 
that when you sow corn, you have to put the seed in the ground. Right? We'll go to Mark 4 and let's let the words of Jesus say this. The very best way it can be said. Mark 4 and the 26th verse. Mark 4.26, Jesus said, so is the kingdom of God. The whole kingdom operates this way. As if a man should cast seed into the ground. Keep reading. He should sleep and rise day and night and the seed should spring and grow up. He knows not how. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself. Let's back up. Who sowed the seed? The man. And what caused the fruit to be brought forth. The earth does that of itself. The creator has made it to do that. And I'm going to say something and we're going to keep coming back to it. And this is an exciting word. It's worthy of meditation. The blessing of increase is the multiplication of the seed. The blessing of increase is The multiplication of the seed. There was a time in the earth. When God planted a garden. And he planted the garden. Just like he planted the garden. With a couple of uh, people seeds. There were specific plants and animals. That has spread all over the planet. And it has spread By the power of God, which is the blessing of increase. But how does it come to manifestation? It's in the multiplication of the seed. So for us to experience the increase. I'm not talking about something somebody took notes on. I'm not talking about something that somebody believes on paper. I'm talking about experiencing your life coming into another level. You living differently. To experience that, it is connected to the seed. The sowing of the seed. The supernatural multiplication of the seed. No, we're not excited enough about that part (laughs) See, we we have grown up with this all of our life. And so it's kind of old hat to us. We're like, sure, sure. You put a seed in there and it grows up and you got extra. Mm -mm. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. And our brightest minds have not begun to break these codes and understand how you can pack a 200 foot tree in a seed like that. A living organism. You put that little seed in the ground. And it starts pushing down. And it starts reaching up. Come on are you listening? And it gets bigger. 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 It gets bigger until it can cast a shadow. Hallelujah, over half an acre. And all the little critters can find homes in it. And it started off. 
Oh, friend, the same thing can happen with a $10 offering. Same thing can happen with sowing some of your time into somebody's life. Sowing friendship, sowing loyalty, sowing. Uh, it's not the physical money, it's not the physical piece of jewelry or, or clothing or something. That is a husk that something else is wrapped in. Something spiritual. The seed is the faith and the love. You wrap it up in that natural thing and you sow it. But then once it's in the ground, the earth brings forth fruit of itself. Now that doesn't happen all by the next day, but come on, read it. What did it say? First the blade, then the ear. Then the full corn in the ear. Oh, I feel good again. The blessing of increase. Tell me what it is. What is it? It is, I could say like this, the supernatural multiplication of the seed. God has created this and caused it to be to where we could have the privilege. It could be in our control. What seed we sowed and when and how much. He's put a lot in our hands. Do you understand he does not sow the seed for you? He's not going to make you sow seed. You know, sometimes people, they try to hyper-spiritualize some things. How many remember the scripture where he said, according as a man purposes in his heart, so let him give. See, that, that reveals some things are up to you. How much love, how much desire, how much faith, right? I remember one time concerning some ministry things in a time of prayer, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what should I try to believe for? What should I try to believe for? He answered me. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me caused it to come to my mind. He said, uh, son, it's not up to me. I can do anything. <laughs> I could move billions to you before the afternoon's over without making a phone call. <laughs> he said, it's not up to what I can do. What can you believe? Is that scriptural? How many times did Jesus tell people what? According what do you say? According to your faith. According to your faith. According to your faith. Thank God he gave us some word to feed our faith so we can grow, so we can increase. And he's been talking about that this week. He's left a lot of things up to us. The sowing is up to us. The growing is up to him. The earth brings forth fruit of herself. Read that verse again. Back up to verse 27. You can sleep. You can get up. You can go. And you don't have to do one thing to try to make that seed multiply. Just everybody ought to enjoy this part. You don't have to do one thing. You can get up. You can go. You can sleep. 
And that seed is multiplying. That seed, whoo, glory to God, is multiplying by the power of the blessing of increase. Multiplying. Somebody say multiplying. Multiplying. Multiplying the seed. Verse 28. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself. First the blade. Then the ear. After that the full corn in the ear. Verse 29. But when the fruit is brought forth. It's fully developed. Immediately. God puts in the sickle. God reaps it for you. No. He Puts in the sickle. Who puts in the sickle? He refers to the same individual that planted the seed. Doesn't. Who planted the seed? The man planted the seed. Who made it grow? God made it grow. Who harvested it? The man. And this is where many faith people, so called, have been missing it. Because in their minds, reaping is God's responsibility. In their minds, if I plant it, I sow it, and I make confessions, the rest of it's up to God. We know better than this in every realm of agriculture. Don't we? Every crop around, we know better than this. What do you think about a farmer? He plants a thousand acres of wheat. God gives him a bumper crop. Harvest time. It's ready to be gotten in. You come by now, you're sitting on the porch. Say, so, hey man, when are you going to get that wheat crop in? Well, I've done my part. I just believe that the Lord, in his own good way and good time, as he sees fit, will bring into the silo what he knows I need. That's how you lose a crop. You can sleep right through a harvest. You can get to looking at the wrong thing and not believe for the harvest and not lay hold of the harvest. Let me go over it again carefully. Who sows the seed? We do. Who makes it grow? Not us. God. Who reaps it? Do you believe that or not? Who reaps it? How many in here have sown a lot of offerings over the years? Who's it up to to reap the harvest off of all that seed you've sown? <laughs> Not a, a fourth of the hands. <laughs> oh, Brother Keith, you're not saying something else is up to me, are you? No, I'm not. He did. <laughs> Let me read some more scriptures to you. Would you take some more scriptures? Luke 10 and 2. Luke 10 and 2, he said, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would reap the harvest. (laughs) Pray the Lord of the harvest, that he'll reap the harvest. No. Who's going to reap the harvest? Us. That he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Listen to Psalm 104. Uh, 27, 28. You'd have to turn there. Psalm 104, 27, 28. It says, These wait upon you that you may give them their meat in due season. That you give them, what happens? They gather. That you give them, they gather. You open your hand and they are filled with good. Uh, John said, A man can receive nothing 
to himself except it be given him from heaven. You can't lay hold of anything except it's been given to you. But even though something's been given to us, we won't enjoy it unless we lay hold of it and receive it. What's been given by grace must be possessed by faith. And we've been camping on this for weeks now. That's why I said if you haven't been with us, go back and get the materials and get caught up with us. Because we've already covered a lot of ground to get to this point. But it is so important that you get that one truth that I have a responsibility to reap just like I have a responsibility to sow. And if that sounds strange to you, don't push it away Let the Lord teach you, but don't take my word for it. Put your nose in this Bible and search it out. Look up all the scriptures on it and see if that's what it teaches or not. You know, uh, one time uh, my father in the faith, Brother Kenneth Hagin, had a visitation from the Lord. And the Lord said some things to him in his words that just upended his theology. He'd never heard it. And he told the Lord, he said, I've never heard anything like that. And And he said to the Lord, he said, I've read the New Testament through. 150 times or so. And if there's anything in there like that, I I don't know it. He said, the Lord smiled sweetly and said, son, there's a lot of things in there you don't know. (laughs) I'm going to believe that no matter how much you learn, there's a lot of things in there that you have not seen yet. Thank you, Lord. But thank you for showing them to us, Lord. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, you know the scripture, but notice this as we look at it again. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He says, he which sows sparingly shall what? Wait till God brings it in. No. Who sowed? He did. Who reaps? He did. Same one that sowed, reaped. And he which sows bountifully shall what? Not wait on God to put it on you. You'll reap it. A lot of folks have become Pretty good givers. But they're lousy reapers. They've been lazy. Partly out of ignorance. Just keep waiting on the Lord. And this also explains why some people think they don't believe in 30, 60, 100 fold. There's people that have gotten adamant with me about it. You know, I don't believe in that 100 fold and don't preach that in my church. So, of course, we don't if we went. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm not saying we wouldn't. But why are some folks, so people that love God, people that believe in faith, why do they think they don't believe in hundredfold? Well, because they feel like I haven't, I haven't seen anything like that in my life. I haven't experienced anything like that. So uh, I've asked folks, you know, well, okay, what do you, you believe in 50-fold? 30 fold 20 5 1.5 and people look at you frustrated like "Mm, I don't know well do you believe that if you give you're going to get nothing well no 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 I believe the Lord will bless you that's code talk for it's up to him (laughs) not up to me It's up to him. And that simply is not true. It's not true. What kind of harvest you reap is affected by what kind of seed you sowed. 
And how much seed you sow? And what kind of ground you sowed it into? But that's not the end. It also has to do with how much faith you've got to reap it. And if you don't believe you got anything to do with it, and it's not up to you, then certainly you're not going to be trying to reap hundredfold or anyfold. You're waiting on God to do it for you. Which is why things would just go on and on and on and on. And we've got people all over the place that bless their hearts. They have given and given and given and given and given and made confessions and made confessions. And their life does not reflect it. They are not living in the provision and the blessing that they should be. And this is one of the big reasons why. We must learn how to reap. By faith. And it has to do with being led by the Spirit. Now we've already gone into this in a lot of detail. And and the reason I keep going on it. Because we've got a lot of folks in here going. Explain that to me. Well we already did. Three or four times. So uh, get the materials if you would. And allow us to move on further tonight. But uh, an example of it is when Peter sowed the Lord the use of his boat, and immediately after that, he says, cast out for a, a draft. You remember that? And, and he said, Lord, we've toiled all night long. You see, he's put a seed into the ministry, and God's multiplied it super fast. But now it's time to what? And who's got to reap this? The Lord's not going to reap it for him. He's got to reap it. And he almost missed it because they worked on it. You know, so many people are so busy working, they don't have time to harvest. But he said, nevertheless, at your word. And so he launched out and he cast out the net. And man, they took in so many. See, what you're thinking, I'm tired. I've worked all night. And now I've sat here and listened to this guy preach for two hours. And, and I want to go home and eat something and get to bed, you know. And what he's trying to do is give you enough haul with one harvest. You don't even have to go to work for the next three weeks if you don't want to. But you have to be led by the Spirit and learn how to operate by faith to do that. You sow your seed. You stand and believe, and if you'll be open, there'll come a time when the Lord will deal with you. Go over here today. Do this. Talk to them. Cast your net on the right side of the ship. Come on, are you listening? And if you're too lazy to leave the house and you won't obey him, even though you got good seed and good ground, you can sleep right through a harvest. You can miss an opportunity. But if we'll be led to do what he tells us to do, we shall reap. Can you say amen? amen? Go to Galatians, please. Galatians, the sixth chapter. I want you to think with me just a little bit. How many have sown several offerings over the past year? 10, 20, 30, 40, over the previous five years? 10 years, 20 years. Are you thinking with me? How much? How much have you sown? How much have you sown? I don't necessarily say it out loud, but I want you to be thinking. How much have you sown? Past 10 years. Past 20 years. Some folks 30 and 40. What would a 1.75 multiplication what what would a twofold 
harvest be on that? Would it be enough to pay off all your stuff and sow big seeds in the kingdom? And and if we could just get the Lord to give it to us. (laughs) See, that's the problem. Folks just keep going year after year after year, waiting on him, hoping, when's my harvest coming? Lord, I'm just standing and believing. Well, it's great to stand and believe, but it comes, there comes a day when it's time to get up out of bed, get out of the house, and start the tractor up. And if you never do it, you can miss your harvest. There are things we must do, acts of obedience, going to the right place on the right day, right connections. Some, this door opens and then these people want you to do this and this is, this, we begin operating more and more in this in the past uh, months and years. And, uh, we were at a juncture on this project just uh, a few months ago and, uh, we're standing and believing. And uh, the Lord just prompted me in the middle of everything that was going on. I want you to get in that little plane I gave you and go to such and such place and just be just be there. Well, I got no, uh, I'm, I'm not supposed to speak. I'm not supposed to do anything. Just go there and be there. Well, it's not time to ask questions. We're either led by the Spirit or we're not. So I got my little bag and got in the little plane, took off, here we are. And before the next few days had transpired, one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. Seed was sown. A huge offering came in that just took care of everything in the project. Helped us get to the next place. Let me ask you a question. What if we hadn't gone there? Now, don't you misunderstand me. I didn't go anywhere looking for anything or asking anybody for anything. Oh, no, 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 no. But if you're at the right place, at the right time, and the Lord says, okay, throw your net out over there. Do this. Do that. We have a hand in the harvest. We put in the sickle. In Galatians 6, are you there? Galatians 6. I know some of this don't make you just want to run and shout because... You realize that it's something else we got to do. But uh, I tell you what it's better than. Going year after year not getting your harvest. Galatians 6 and verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows. Who? Who? That shall he also reap. Who's going to reap it? Guy that sowed it. This has been here all the time, but we've read over it. He will reap it. Verse 8. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Do you believe in the multiplication of seed? I heard not too long back. Preachers taking to task folks like me. And saying, that's just ridiculous. That's sowing stuff. There's nothing in the Bible about that. (laughs) Nothing in the Bible about sowing and reaping. Just shake your head, go. 
No, this works in every area and with every seed, there is a multiplication of what is sown. And that is a powerful thing, either good or bad. Read this verse again. Verse 8. You sow to the flesh, what will you reap? And you won't just reap what you sowed. You will reap 30, 60, 100 fold corruption. But you sow to the Spirit, you will reap what you sowed multiplied. Multiplied. In the natural, 50-fold harvest, a 50-fold wheat harvest, it's not unheard of. A good corn harvest could be two or three hundred-fold. Well, then why would we think it a thing impossible that God would multiply other seeds? Listen to this. This is an eye opener. Hosea 8 and 7. We're coming back to Galatians, so hold that if you can. He said, They have sown the wind and they reaped the breeze. <laughs> Everything you sow gets multiplied. You sow meanness. You're not just going to reap meanness. You're going to reap extra mean. <laughs> Listen to the God's word translation says, the people plant the wind, but they harvest a storm. Young's literal translation. Listen to this. And of course, this is the author of the concordance. For when they sow and a hurricane, they reap. It's the law of multiplication. So it ought to make us really watchful to not sow any bad seeds. We tell our people when it comes, you know, we have celebration Sunday and and we we bring a lot of things to sow. But I tell them, you know, don't bring your wore out junk. You don't want a hundredfold junk. You don't want garbage up to your eyes. Right? Sow good stuff. Sow quality stuff. And certainly don't sow unfaithfulness. Don't sow backstabbing and betrayal. Don't sow. Because you don't want that. It won't just come back to you. It comes back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Whether it's corruption to the flesh or whether it's something good and wonderful in the spirit. Keep reading in the... Well, the message is real clear on this. Let me read that before you go. The message translation says, look at them planting wind seeds. They'll harvest tornadoes. (laughs) That's pretty clear, isn't it? Now go back to Galatians. Galatians 6, please. Verse 8, he had said, whatever you sow to. And verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season... We shall reap. I like those words. We shall reap. That's not missing your harvests. That's not sleeping through your harvest. That's getting them in. Who's going to get them in? We. We shall reap. Let us not be weary in well doing. For in due season we shall reap. If we faint not. We shall reap. 
If we faint not. When will we reap? In due season. There's a time. Just like in the natural. You sow your seed. But it's not due season to reap the next day. Or the next. Or maybe the next week. Maybe the next month. But there comes a time. And maybe you looked at the pack. And it had that really big pretty tomato on it. And you put the seed in the ground. You watered it so carefully and lovingly. And you'd really like to have a tomato right now. In fact you feel like you need a tomato. (laughs) But it is not due season. Is it? And even next week you still want a tomato. And it's still not due season. That's when you have to not get weary. Don't you? And you've got to keep reminding yourself, i got good seed in good ground, and there will come tomato-eating time. It's coming. <laughs> maybe not this week, maybe not next month, but it's coming. It's coming. There'll come a time, it'll be ready, the Lord will show me the details, and I'll reap. Now notice what he said, in due Season. Everybody say in due season. season. Say it again. In due season. The NIV says at the proper time. At the proper time. We will reap a harvest. Jeremiah 5. Don't turn there. But Jeremiah 5.24. Says he reserves unto us. The appointed weeks of harvest. Harvest doesn't just refer to the fruit. It refers to the season. The same word refers to both. And part of us reaping is us discerning the season. Now last time we taught on this, we looked at how how closely joy was associated with reaping. And I won't take time to go through all that, but get the materials if you like. We've all known that God loves a cheerful giver. But the joy is connected to the reaping, just like the joy is connected to the sowing. How many remember the psalmist said, he that goes forth uh, weeping, bearing precious seed, will what? Doubtless come again. What? Rejoicing and bringing his sheaves with him with joy you reap. And you can detect the season approaching by that joy. Yes, somebody got it. You'll sow and sow and stand. Not a whiff of it, not a sign of it. You'll stand for weeks, months, some things, years. But then, maybe you weren't even thinking about it. And you get a stirring. Some joy. And you just know. Harvest time. It's harvest time. We've been sowing. We've been standing. And that ought to not see. We, we have, maybe we have learned some of that by experience. But didn't know the rest of the, the part of this. People think well yeah glory to God. That God's going to do something for me. He sure is. But it's going to involve you. It's, it's going to come. It's going to come. No. He's going to show you how to get it in. Even when he rained manna out of the sky, 
they still had to leave the tent and go pick it up. Right? Go with me to John, please. And, and if you're not paying full attention, you might want to go ahead and wake fully up now. Because you do not want to miss this next part. Woo, glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. In John 4, would you turn there please? It's some details I'm talking about, about how to reap that I've known has been there for years, but I haven't known how to say it and exactly what it is. But I believe it's time for us to get it. So let's, let's believe. Uh, what I do know I can share with you right now. This is part of it right here. For those of you that weren't with us, let me review this. We talked about tithing for two nights in connection with sowing and reaping. Tithing isn't sowing. But do you understand, even though you plant good seed in good ground, if you don't get enough rain, you will not have a crop? And do you understand that even though if you get good rain and you have a bumper crop, if you get a bunch of insects, a bunch of bugs, a bunch of stuff moves in, it can wipe out your whole crop and you can lose whole harvest? Listen to Malachi 3. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. There may be food in my house. And prove me now herewith. If I will not open the windows of heaven. That's where rain comes from. And pour you out a blessing. Until there's not enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Friend, if you're going to reap harvest. You must be a tither. Tithing is not sowing, but tithing gets your crop rained on and blessed and protected. So that the devourer of the destroyer doesn't consume it. See, there's been a lot more going on here than folk have realized. They just thought, give an offering, make a confession. And whole crops have been developed and lost and never reaped. Different things, not being led. In the natural, that's final. But with God, His Word is incorruptible. His seed is incorruptible. And so it's still available to you. In fact, not only is everything that you fail to reap still available to you, but there's a lot of stuff other people sowed that's available for you to reap. I'm talking about reaping stuff you didn't even sow. Where's that at? Right there. Right there in front of you. John chapter 4, 34. Jesus said, my meat, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. There is nothing that satisfies like serving the Lord. Nothing. Verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months 
And then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already right now. What's he saying to them? You are not discerning the harvest. You are thinking it's months down the road and it's here right now ready to reap. Do we need to discern harvest time? We do. You know, let me say this another way. It's not enough to just learn faith principles and prosperity principles. Uh, authority principles. You got to actually pray and get to know the Lord and hear from Him. That's the only way this thing works. See, people have learned principles. And they're doing them in a mechanical fashion without a living fellowship. And they're having all kinds of problems and they're confused and why doesn't it work? One of the first things I ever learned about this, I was had the privilege of working at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry in their prayer and healing center. And I was on the phones and um, I was just as green as could be, could barely knew the New Testament from the old. And um, a lady called in. And she got me. And she was one of Brother Hagin's partners. And she was hysterical. She was crying so hard, she was losing her breath. And that's what I heard when I picked up the phone. And so I just sat there for a minute. And she kept heaving and crying and heaving and crying. And I said, well, I'm here. I'm here. And so she's cried harder. And, and so eventually she stopped. And she come to find out she had just, she lived in a large city. She had just been mugged. Some yahoo knocked her in the head and grabbed her purse and ran off. I said, well, sister, are you hurt? Are you okay? She said, I got some bruises, but I'm, I'm okay. It's not, it's not a big deal. She said, but I just don't understand. Uh, I quote the 91st Psalm uh, almost every day. Uh, how could this happen to me? And that was the thing she was most upset about. Is how could this happen to her? Because she, she quotes it over herself regularly. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. How, this, this can't touch me. This can't, how can this happen? Well, man, I didn't know. I'm checking my heart. I didn't know what to tell her. And thank God I just look, I looked inside and I said, Lord, help me to help this lady. I don't know what to tell her. And, and, and she's crying again. And see, the devil's telling her that God has let her down. And when she needed him, he wasn't there. And this stuff don't work and it's not real. And that's where a lot of people get, they get hurt, they get offended, and they quit. They quit going to church. And it's so ignorant because God never failed anybody. And why do people just seize on that? God, where were you? Why'd you let me down? Never occur to them that maybe they missed it somewhere. Gotta blame God. So it came up in me. Ask her where she was going and why. I hadn't thought about that till now. I said, "Well, I said, sister, tell me a little bit about what was going on. You, uh, you went to a certain place. She said, "Yeah, it was a rough part of town." Well, that don't necessarily, you know, mean you shouldn't have been there. I said, "Well, you, you felt like you should have been there. You had some business you need to take care of." And got quiet. She said, "Well, uh, really, I had a check." 
about going. But I quote the 91st Psalm and, and, and no plague will come now. You can't ignore the prompting of the Spirit and quote a scripture and be okay. Or quote 20 scriptures and be okay because the, the one who wrote the book is talking to you. You can't ignore him and say, no, I'm going to take something else you wrote and ignore you with it. No, he's talking to you personally. He He's answering her prayer. She's been confessing, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And he's coming there to help her stay in the secret place of the Most High. All you got to do is listen. And don't go over there right now. But she ignored it and threw it aside and, and overrode the leading of the Spirit with a faith confession. We must stop doing that. Thank God for learning principles. Thank God for learning scriptures. But we, we're not in the Old Testament. The Bible said in that day, they'll not say every man to his brother, know the Lord. They will all know me from the least to the greatest. Come on, he's in you. I said he's in you. He's in you. You know him. He knows you. He'll commune with you. He's, the Spirit of God will bear witness with your spirit and cause you to know what you need to know. You have an unction of the Holy One and you know all things that you need to know. Say it out loud. I have an unction. I have an anointing of the Holy One. And I know all I need to know. This is talking about all day long and all night long. This anointing causes you to know. Function in the unction. Flowing in the knowing. That's how we're supposed to operate. And by him, we will discern when, where, how to harvest. Right? We'll get up one morning and it'll have been churning in us for three days. Harvest time, harvest time, harvest time, harvest time, harvest time. So you're on the lookout. You're on the lookout. You, you, you sharpen up your eyes. You go, okay, harvest time is here. I, I got my sickle. I got it real sharp. I'm taking it with me everywhere I go. I'm ready. Ready. Got my overalls on. Got my sickle. Got my basket. I'm looking. Where do I reap? Where and how is this thing? Because I know I got something to do with it, and but I can't do it on my own. But when he shows me, come on, you get the picture. You can throw nets and sweat all night long and catch nothing. But the Lord tell you, well, just drive over there, throw the net out. <laughs> but it's when and it's where and it's how he said. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Say glory to God. Say I am a reaper. I'm a good reaper. Thank you Lord. I'm a good reaper. Did Isaac believe in hundredfold? Did he believe in a literal physical hundredfold? You remember the story in Genesis? God told him 
You stay where I tell you to stay. And you sow where I tell you to sow. And it did not look like the place to stay or the place to sow. But he did it and the Bible said he reaped in the same year. Somebody say in the same year. In the same year a hundredfold. Why? Not just because he believed in hundredfold. He didn't have any hundredfold scriptures. But he had a hundredfold God. Because God's always been a hundredfold God. All he had to do. Stay where the Lord said stay. Sow where the Lord said sow. Reap where the Lord said reap. Now that doesn't sound too hard. But we got people flip-flopping and moving and jumping all over the place. The Bible said endure hardness is a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But we got a huge portion of the body of Christ AWOL. What do you mean? People start churches and they change churches and they start jobs and they change jobs and they start marriages and families and change. Just, you know, they're not making me happy over at that church anymore. I need something new. I need something fresh. I need a new man, too. I need a new, I need a new wife, too. I need, I need a new, I just, and the problem is, you can do that 50 times. And, and a lot of people have made mistakes. You know, if you made mistakes, it's under the blood, right? We're, we're looking forward. But don't keep thinking that some new place or some new person is going to fix everything. Because when you show up, you're going to be there. And you can't get away from yourself. You remember when the Israelites delivered out of Egyptian bondage and, and they came through the Red Sea and Man, they had a victory. Everybody danced. They played the tambourines. They shouted. And they went a few days and lost the victory because they had no water. And the water was bad. They named it Mara. Mara means bitter. Bitter. And I'm sure what they thought is we need a new water hole. But did they need a new water hole? They did not need a new water hole. The Lord showed Moses, you know, throw in this. And it was a type of the cross and redemption. And the Bible said he made the bitter waters sweet. Don't believe the devil that you need a new water hole. What I need is a new water hole. I need a new place. I need a new relationship. I need a new job. I need a new locale. I I need need a new hairdo. I need something new. No, because you can chase a new place from now on. And I don't care what new place you find in a few weeks. It ain't going to be new anymore. You know, the writing of the book of Proverbs, the writer warns his sons about the strange woman. And the word strange has to do with new. New. Well, of course, you know, don't fall for the devil's lies. You know, somebody that you don't know and you can imagine how amazing and how wonderful they are because you don't know them. (laughs) Huh? It's amazing how people are in these ways. They look and they just romanticize and imagine and, oh, aren't they wonderful? They're amazing. You ain't got a clue what they are. You never spend any time with them, you know, and been around them. I had a couple sitting across the desk from me one time, a marriage counseling. And uh, 
she kept saying about him, she said, well, he's not like so-and-so, and he doesn't do it like so-and-so. And, and I said, who is that? And they said, it was somebody on a soap opera. <laughs> he looked at me. <laughs> I could see the pain in his eyes. I said, <laughs> I said, I said, sister, that guy's not like that either. It's acting. You know he does his thing and then they yell cut. (laughs) And he goes back to his trailer and he's on his 34th relationship. Why would we let all this entertainment stuff and and all this fiction, 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 fiction. And we're comparing reality to fiction. No. When you're at the water hole God sent you to, it may be ugly, it may be stagnant, (laughs) it may be so bitter nobody can drink it. But you need to just rejoice that you serve the God of miracles who can make the bitter sweet. He can make the bitter sweet. Come on, somebody needs to say, he makes the bitter sweet. Come on, let's say it out loud. He makes the bitter sweet. Married folks particularly. Now listen. Listen. We got plenty of other things to be talking about right now, but the Spirit of God's directing us this way. This applies directly to you. Have faith in God that nothing is too hard for Him. There's a reason why you hooked up with them and you committed to them and you married them. There's a reason why. Do not throw that away. Do not give up. Do not say it's impossible. Well, they're impossible. Well, I'm impossible. No, no, no. Say it out loud. I serve a God with whom nothing is impossible. He makes the bitter sweet. Sweet. He makes the bitter sweet. Thanks be unto God. Go back to John. We need to finish this up. John 4. He said, say not. There's still four months. It's, it's not time to harvest right now. It's, it's going to be a while. And he said, no, no, no. Open up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white right now. They are ready to harvest right now. Someone said, well, he's talking about souls. It's not limited to that. He's just talking about harvest. And and some people say, well, yeah, and I don't like, you know, all this talk about sowing money and, and cars and houses and all that material stuff. That's not important. We ought to be talking about souls. I'm going to pause right there for effect. <laughs> and just hold your place in John and go over to Luke. Luke chapter 16. Luke 16. Verse 10. Jesus said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that's unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in what? 
unrighteous mammon. What's that talking about? It's talking about money and material things. If you've not been faithful in the money and material things, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now, this is the teaching of Jesus. That is not the same as the money and material things are insignificant. They don't matter. It's only the spiritual things. Let's read it carefully. What Jesus say? If you've not been faithful in the what? Unright mammon is money and things personified. If you've not been faithful in the, the money, the stuff, the car, the clothes, the $20 offering. If you hadn't been faithful in that, who will commit to your trust the true riches? This is the exact opposite of what so many people are saying in the church. They're saying, oh, you need to quit talking about money and stuff and cars, and that's not important. We need to talk about the, what they're talking about, true riches. But the Lord said, if you're not faithful in that stuff, you're not going to get a chance to handle the true riches. We are to learn how to be led. We're to learn faith lessons with money and clothes and stuff and cars and houses. I know a lot of folks don't like that, but it's the truth. We're to learn how to be led and learn lessons. Why? Because the Lord is not foolish. If you want to know if somebody's good at handling precious things, give them some junk. And see how they handle that. If you want to know if you can put them in charge of something. Give them a broom. And see what they do with that. A lot of people think. Oh no, no. Now if you give me something worthy of my talents. You'll see me shine. Uh Uh-uh. If you ain't faithful with a broom. You ain't faithful with the big thing. Jesus said so. He said so. And if you're not faithful. With the $20, you wouldn't be faithful ministering to somebody's soul. Talked about Brother Hagin a couple of times tonight. Well, something else here. He told about how that back in the early days of him pastoring, that a uh, pastor came to his church and preached on some things that he didn't like and caused him some problems. He had to kind of clean up after him after he left and straightened some things out and and he was sitting there not so happy about giving him the offering and, and the Lord prompted him take him up another offering uh, extra offering <laughs> and, and he uh, and for him to put a certain amount in and it was a lot for him it was a big portion of his, his monthly pay he's going to have to believe God the rest of the time and, but he did it he did it and smiled and Blessed the brother and sent him on his way and then had to try to fix what he had done. And then uh, some time after that, I guess some years after that, uh, there was a, a preacher who's coming through and, and he got off the bus and just wanted to say hi to him on his way to somewhere else. And the Lord prompted him, it was around Christmas time, prompted him, have him preach at their church. And so he did. And while he's preaching, the Lord prompted him to give most of his Christmas money that they had prepared for their family and for their Christmas to this man. Revealed to him that the reason he got off the bus there is because that's all the money he had. 
And he was believing to try to get home. He never told him. But the Spirit of God told Brother Hagin. But then he said, through half the message, he's not hearing what the man said. Because he's thinking, that's all my Christmas money, you know. <laughs> How are the kids going to have Christmas and all that? You know, it's right there to the door to Christmas Eve and day. And this is my money. But uh, he did it. He put it in his hands and sent him on his way. They made it through. The Lord helped them. But then some years after that, they were in a, a room where a woman was virtually bedfast, laying on the bed with a terrible disease, considered terminal. They'd been praying for some time, and the Spirit of God supernaturally told him, stand up, go to the foot of the bed, speak and command this. He did. She got out of bed. Glory to God. Healed. Healed. They all shouted. They praised God. They went out and uh, sat down in the backyard. He said and had watermelon together and just <laughs> shouted and praised God. And he said the Lord spoke to him. And he said, if you hadn't obeyed me in that offering with that brother back there, and if you hadn't obeyed me in that offering at that Christmas time, I couldn't have used you in this. See, obedience is obedience. Faith is faith. Whether it's with $20 or whether it's with the gift of the Spirit. And isn't that what this is saying? Come on, read it out loud. I, I didn't write this. Verse 11. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? You won't get an opportunity to handle the true riches unless and until you're faithful in the natural things, the small things. And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? You won't get it. So these things do matter. Money, stuff, they matter. Not because they're so important themselves, but because the obedience is so important. And the faith is so important. So don't let people mock you and try to shame you because you're believing for this and believing for that and talking about it. It's, it's headed somewhere much bigger. If you learn how to believe God for these little things, you can believe God for something else. Right? Same principles. You obey the Holy Spirit in some little thing or with some money thing. That's the same Holy Ghost that can use you to do big things. True riches. Things that affect the kingdom. Things that matter. Thank you, Lord. Well, that wasn't in my notes at all. Go back to John 4. We'll see if we can finish it. Discern the harvest. It's right now. 36. He that reaps. Are you a reaper? Say I'm a reaper. I'm I'm not just a sower. I'm a reaper. He that reaps. Gets paid. Anybody want to get paid? In order to get paid. You got to reap. You don't just make confessions. And wait on God. You got to reap. He that reaps receives wages and gathers fruit unto life eternal that both he that sows and he that reaps may rejoice together. Keep reading. And herein is that saying, true, one sows and another reaps. I saw this clearer today than I'd ever seen it before. I guess I just read past this. I'll read from another translation. You'll see what I'm talking about. Verse 38. 
I sent you to reap. Say it out loud. He sent me to reap. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored. And you are entered into their labors. Let me read some other translation. The CEV, the complete English. CEV. It says, now the harvest workers are receiving their reward by gathering a harvest that brings eternal life. Then everyone who planted the seed and everyone who harvest the crop will celebrate together. So the saying proves true. Some plant the seed and others harvest the crop. I'm sending you to harvest crops in fields where others have done all the hard work. I'm sending you to harvest crops in fields where others have done all the hard work. Glory to God. The Weymouth translation, if we have that, if not, I'll read it to you. Verse 37. This is the thing that jarred me today. It is in this that you see the real meaning of the saying, the sower is one person, the reaper is another. Is it possible not only to reap what you've sown, but to reap what others have sown, even previous generations? Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. The New Century Version, verse 38, the NCV, the New Century, says, I sent you to harvest a crop that you did not work on. Others did the work, and you get to finish up their work. You get to reap what they sowed. Glory to God. Listen to this scripture, and don't turn there necessarily, but Hebrews 6.10, the New Century Version. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is fair. He will not forget the work you did and the love you showed for him by helping his people. Now, that was written to people generations ago, as well as to us. And the Lord told them, I will not forget what you did in ministering to my people. He will remember that you're still helping. The complete English, the CEV, the CEV says, God is always fair. He will remember how you helped his people in the past and how you're still helping them. Now, do the sins of the fathers, can they affect the children? No question. No question they can, and they do. Well, if that's true, then in order to be just and fair, <laughs> the sowing to the spirit of the fathers has to benefit their descendants. And this is why one of the reasons, and this is not just happening here, I believe this is happening in numerous places all over the body of Christ. God is raising a generation that excels in reaping. It is required to fulfill prophecy. It is required. It's going to take it to reap the harvest. We got to quit 
squabbling and quibbling about hundredfold and about this and that. We don't just need to reap hundredfold. We need to reap everything that's been sown before we got here. I've read the testimonies of some of the most outstanding men of God back, you know, a hundred years ago and more. And you can tell reading them, man, some of them had the most amazing faith for healing and the most amazing faith for miracles and just no revelation at all for their provision and their finances. None. And you and I wouldn't have a clue either, except God had brought it out in our generation. But these people sowed. I mean, they sold every stick of furniture they had. They gave up every piece of money and clothing and stuff and launched out with no support. Some of them died, starved to death on the field just from lack of something good to eat. And were willing to do it. Willing, glad to lay their life down. And the Lord honored that. And they've been happy with him in heaven for a long time. But the seed they have sown has been in the ground for a long time. And it has multiplied. And it has increased. Come on, are you listening to me? And I believe God would that a generation of believers would come that would have the faith and have the vision to lay hold and believe what he said that others have labored and you are entering in to their labors. They sowed it, but you're going to reap it. And it's not to our credit, not to our glory. We can shout and say glory to God. It's for them. It's for the Lord. It's for everybody that went before us. How many know preachers? We're standing on the shoulders of amazing men and women of God to have the freedoms and to have the light to preach what we're preaching today. It's not because we're so smart. It's not because we figured everything out. I keep thinking of things Brother Hagin said. He used to say this. I've heard him say it publicly. Heard him say it privately. He'd look us in the eye. He'd say, nobody helped me coming up. Nobody taught me about faith. We just had to dig it out with the Spirit's help. He said, If you don't take everything that the Lord's given you through us and go on out beyond, he said, I'm going to come back and kick you. (laughs) We're not supposed to just try to maintain and not lose ground. We're supposed to take everything that's been given and go on up. Come on, go on up. And if the Lord tarries his coming, how many believe a generation of little ones are coming up? Believe in God. Phyllis is telling me about one of our little ones, little bitty guy uh, today. I guess he was on the school bus and he said his friend told him his eye hurt. He said, can I pray for you? Little bitty guy. He said, yeah. So he reached over, put his hand on his eye and he got healed right there on the school bus. Little, little bitty, little bitty. 
That's not just happening here. That's happening all over the place. And if the Lord tarries his coming, why shouldn't they start off, not where we started off, start off where we leave off. Glory to God. And then them take it on up, on up, on up. Oh, somebody say glory to God, glory to God. Glory, stand up on your feet. Let's praise him, son. Stand up on your feet. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we glorify your holy name. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.